You're listening to Broadview Church Sermon Audio. For more information or to donate to this ministry, go to broadviewchurch.ca. Ian Ian was telling a story, and he said, uh, I was at the checkout at the grocery store, and I noticed that the bag boy that was there was curiously eyeing my two adopted children. They often draw attention, he said, because my son is a blonde Russian boy, while my daughter has shiny black Haitian skin. And the boy continued staring at, uh, at my, grand, or my kids uh, as uh, he carried out the groceries to the car. And finally he said, he said, are those your kids? Yes, they are, I answered proudly. Are they adopted, he asked. Yes, I replied. He said, I thought so. I figured you were too old to have kids that small. <laughs> well, you know, uh, words can have an amazing impact uh, on us as people say things. We don't always hear what we expect to hear or what we might want to hear from others. When you hear words from other people, do you need more words of criticism or words of encouragement? What motivates you to grow and to develop in your life more? Is it when someone encourages you or when he or she uh, corrects you? What motivates you more? You know, we all fail, we all make mistakes. And when we fail, we usually know it. And most of the time, we don't need someone to tell us that we in fact failed in that moment. But it seems for many of us, it's much easier to judge and criticize others than it is to encourage them. And I'm I'm not sure why that is. I don't think it is generally because people intentionally are malicious or wanting to destroy other people. I have a book in my library called Well-Intentioned Dragons. And it uh, talks about people in the church who tend to be critical and negative But they're not necessarily intending to do harm. Most of the time, in fact, they are trying to protect the church, they say. But through their judgmental actions, they are actually beginning to destroy the very thing they're trying to protect. Back in October, we began the series titled Living in Community from the book of Romans, uh, beginning from chapter 12. This morning, we come to chapter 14. And the passage that we come to today, I believe, is a very important, has a very important message for the church today in general. It speaks about how we relate to one another concerning our differences of convictions, concerning our differences of preferences. And there are differences today, if you hadn't noticed. And the book of Romans uh, was written to followers of Jesus. It was written to people who who wanted to follow Jesus with all of their lives. Chapter 12 speaks of the church as a body. The church as one body where everyone is important. Everyone is important and we as a body are to work together in love and in unity. Then in chapter 13 it talks about submitting to those who are in authority, including our government. And then how to live in considering that Jesus Christ's return could be at any moment. It is near, he says. Now we come to chapter 14. I want us to read the first 12 verses. He says, Accept him whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters. 
One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Everyone should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, and every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Wow. Wow. Talk about instructions that are contrary to how we often tend to act in our lives. From this passage this morning, we first of all find that each one of us needs to get out of the judge's seat. It's really important for us to recognize that as we interact with people around us, that there in fact are what would be considered to be disputable matters. Not everything is clearly black and white, although some of us find that hard to deal with things that aren't clearly black and white. And I'm sure that we all want to live according to God's desire and God's instruction to us. As we are fully committed followers of Jesus Christ, we want to do what he says. But how do we define how we should live as followers of Jesus? How do we define how we put that into practice and apply it to our lives? Is it simply our own opinion? Is it what tradition tells us? Is it according to the culture in which we live? Well, first of all, we need to consider what is clearly God's instruction. Where has God clearly given us clear commands that are black and white that we can understand that way? What is God's word? There are clear instructions concerning sin within the Bible. There are those clear decrees that are understandable and and not confusing at all. We have, for example, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments that were given, where God gave them to Moses to give to the people, and these commandments talk about things that you shall do and things that you shall not do. And some of you have them memorized. Uh, But in fact, the, the commandments talk about, number one, God says, I am your God, you shall have no other gods before me. He says, you shall not make any idol, no image that you will bow down to. He says, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. He says, remember the Sabbath and keep the Sabbath holy. He says, honor your father and mother if you want to live long, something like that. But remember your father, honor your father and mother. He says, do not kill or do not murder. Do not commit adultery. He says, do not steal. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. 
Do not covet your neighbor's wife or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These are all fairly clear and direct commands for us from God. But then when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus' answer was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. Again, that's a fairly clear command that we are to love God, we are to love our neighbor directly from God himself. And then we have what we call the Great Commission, where Jesus commissioned us and told us that go, or as we are going, he told us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. That's a command from Jesus himself. Clear, direct commands that he's given to us. These are clear, distinct commands. But then there are what we call implications. So what do these commands imply to how we then would put that into practice? Now, that is not always quite as clear as the initial command in itself. When he says that you shall worship no other gods. So what does that mean? Do we, how do we worship? What are other gods? And so on. What does that mean when we should not bow down to an idol or we should not, not bow, we should not bow down to an image that we have created? And so there are those that then will say, well, does that mean that we should not make anything? And some people don't even like the fact that we have pictures of what's supposed to be Jesus on the wall because that is supposedly then, they see that as the implication is that that's going contrary to what God said. Some people go as far as saying you shouldn't make an image of anything so you shouldn't get your picture taken, so on. So, so the implication goes on, what are the implications of it? That's where it becomes debatable. So what is an idol? What is an idol? Is it something only something that you've created with your hand and it's physically there? Or can it be something else that you might bow down to? So are there other gods that we might have? Is, is sports possibly a god to us? Is our possessions possibly a god to us? Is it possible that there's music that could be a god to us and so on? So we get into what are the implications of this command? And what about the, com- the commandment to keep the Sabbath? When he says you are to keep the Sabbath and to keep it holy and not do any work on that day. So what are the implications of that? Where do you find that? And so the Jews, they have the Jewish Talmud that defines exactly what you can or cannot do, how many steps you can walk, and if you walk more steps than that, then it becomes work and so on. So that's where it gets into these disputable matters to how we define how that works out in our lives. There are also areas of conviction that we might have that, that are not clearly addressed necessarily in Scripture in itself. Uh, for example, I, I recall back in the days of, of, uh, of not only in my own family and church background, but where, where women and, 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 and girls would usually wear dresses, and then you get the whole argument of how, how long does it need to be. And, and, and there are places where you should not even show your ankles because that is now, now, now that's becoming immoral. And so on. We actually had measurements in various places as to how high that actually that dress was allowed to be and beyond. So we're getting into all those definitions of conviction as to what it should be or should not be. The length of hair. Because Paul talks about the hair and about, about the honor for the woman and for man shouldn't it be short. And so we have the arguments and definitions. And, and again, when I was young, if your hair touched your ears, you were, you were at risk of losing your salvation. Uh, you know, so, so we have all these different comments and then people grow. So we have these arguments. What is the right length of hair? Should it be this long? Do you need to measure it? And should women never cut their hair? Can it be this long? And is it this still not? And so on. So we have all those implications where we have, where we have things that the scriptures don't necessarily address. 
us or how often we should have communion. Uh, some, some people feel, well, we should have it, you know, because it does say as often as you do this, that means it says often, so you should do it often. And so you should have it at least once a week. And others think, well, and as we generally practice here, it should be once a month. Uh, the church I grew up in, as far as I recall, we had it once a year. Because after all, the Passover was only once a year, and, the, the, and he instituted the Last Supper at the Passover, and so... So we should have it once a year. Which is the right one? And so we can have arguments and debates about those things. These are all where we start to, to imply. This is what it implies. Here it has it plays out. We begin to have convictions and we begin to argue and we begin to condemn others because of the conviction that we have to what it ought to be. These are what you might consider disputable matters. Now, you might be inclined to say, well, if these are disputable matters and it doesn't matter what they are, then it really doesn't matter what we think and how we act. But Paul does, in fact, suggest and indicate that we should have convictions. He says in verse 5, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And I believe we all do have convictions because our actions reveal what our convictions really are. Not what we say they are, but how we actually act. That shows what our convictions are. Now, sometimes we are torn between things. Is it this, is it that? And, and we think it doesn't really matter. And, and we're kind of, one time it's this way and one time it's, and, and that causes stress and tension within our own lives. But I also recall growing up, my, there was a time when my father uh, felt that, you know, when, when the radio started coming along. And, and as soon as you brought the radio into your home, you are now allowing the world to influence your home. And so because there's a lot of stuff on the radio that he did not necessarily agree with, and so he felt it was wrong to have a radio in our house. But then it came to mind he wanted to listen to the news, and he wanted to listen to the hockey game and so on, and so then he would get a radio. And then we would have a radio in our house for a while, and we'd listen to it, and then he would get convicted about it again, and he'd throw it out. And then after a while, all of a sudden, a radio shows up again. And you listen to it for a while, and then it's gone again. And, and so he was wrestling between, is this the right thing or not? And the Bible didn't actually say that you should or shouldn't have a radio in your house. So this was one of those disputable matters that he wrestled with. Uh, we need to have personal convictions. But what are the convictions that we have in our lives concerning some of these things? And I, what I do believe is what needs to be my conviction regarding what kind of music I might listen to. My parents told us what we could or couldn't listen to when we were young, but eventually you had to have that conviction on your own. Whether you believe yourself that you should get it or could get a tattoo or not, whether you can drink wine or not, uh, what books you might read, what, what movies you might watch, what kind of job you might take. And I remember listening to a preacher one time, and he talked about the fact that we should do nothing that is simply for human pleasure. And he identified actually that drinking Coca-Cola had no value other than for human pleasure. And so he actually said he could not get a job driving a Coke truck. Now, that was his conviction. Now, should that be my conviction? But there's times when we should have convictions for ourselves. And how are we going to live this out in our lives as we follow Jesus? So we need to have personal convictions for our actions. But the main point I believe Paul is making in this passage here is do not judge one another about disputable matters. 
Do not judge others based on your conviction about disputable matters. He says, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. And then in verse 13, therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another. Whether you are convicted of something in your life or not, don't judge others based on what God is saying to you in that regard, how you understand it. And again, the church community I grew up in, there anything, if you wore jewelry, that was considered simply of human vanity. And so jewelry was was not allowed. And so I remember one time we had a preacher coming to the church and he actually wore a ring, a wedding ring. And after that, the people dismissed what he had to say because he was obviously sinning because he wore a ring. That's one of those things. We tend to judge others. If God has given me that conviction for myself, I tend to judge others. We, 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 we judge others based on how we dress in church. To come to church, and, and, and over the years there's been so much judgment over whether you should in fact dress up. And, and I, even this summer, I saw on Facebook where people were, were, were casting judgment out there in terms of how people dress in church. That you should dress up to a tea on Sunday morning. Should you wear a tie or not? Is that your conviction or do we cast it on other people? Uh, whether, whether we wear shoes when we come to church or not. Now, I remember in one church we had a worship leader that actually led worship barefoot. And there were people that were really up in arms because how disrespectful to wear, not wear shoes when you're leading worship. And yet when Moses was before God, God told him to take off his shoes because he was on holy ground. So the Bible doesn't actually say whether you should wear shoes or not when you are in worship or lead worship. But we can judge others based on what our own conviction is. Paul writes, do not judge one another about these disputable matters because others don't answer to you on the matter. So why make a judgment at all? If I have a different standard than you, would you want me to judge you based on my convictions for myself? He says, do not judge because Christ is to be our judge in verses 10 through 13. But Paul goes on to say in verses 13 to 23, don't pass judgment on others, but rather watch yourself. Pay attention to yourself so that you don't cause somebody to falter and stumble. And verse 13 and following, he says, Therefore stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. 
It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. And I believe the core of what Paul is saying here is don't destroy someone else. It's not only for your judgment, because our judgment can sometimes, in fact, destroy other people. As we judge others, we can, we can destroy them. Our judgment is often more harmful than whatever they are doing to begin with, regarding, if it's regarding disputable matters. And don't destroy someone else by flaunting your freedom. If you know that someone has a problem in a particular area or a conviction in a, in a particular area, don't put them in a place of compromise just because you feel you have the freedom in that area. For example, if, 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 you, if you have a friend who you know is an alcoholic, and if you have that person over to your place, you're irresponsible if you offer that person an alcoholic beverage you are causing, potentially causing, that person to, to fall in that regard. If you know someone that struggles, as Paul talks about here, with, with certain things in regards to food, don't put that food in front of them just because you can eat it and you feel you can. He says, don't destroy them because of your freedom. You know, we can be tempted to want to show off our freedom. That I am free, I am strong enough, I have the freedom to do this, and, and, and I'm mature and you are not. Nah, 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 nah. You know, sometimes we act that way, even we may not say it that way. We may think it's not a problem for us, but what about our action will harm the other person? See, Paul says don't judge them, but also live your life so that you don't harm them. He says food is harmless in itself, but we can misuse it to the destruction of those who are weak, he says in verses 14 through 16. And that's not simply referring to food, but to anything that falls in the category of disputable matters. He says in verses 17 through 18, the kingdom of God is more important than food and drink. And those things that we might consider, we have the liberty to participate in. We need to pay attention to how our actions will affect others around us. Uh, back in our early married years, Debbie and I, we were working with the, back then we called it college and career, now they're young adults. Uh, they were probably young adults back then, but we called them college and career. And, and uh, so, so I would, I, would I, my, I confess to you that over the years, I've tended to, when I drive on the highway, I have a tendency to drive about 10 kilometers an hour over the speed limit. That's my public confession. And, and, uh, and I didn't think anything about it because I never got stopped for it, and so then it was okay, right? Um, and so one time I was driving a, a carload of our young adults uh, from one place to another and, and drove the way I normally drive and didn't think anything of it. And then later I had a conversation with one of the guys that was in the car, and, and he talked to me about the very thing that he had noticed that I was continually driving above the speed limit, and that actually bothered him. And I realized that, okay, the way I drove impacted those people, and I was influencing them. Now, was he judging me? Was that the issue or not? But was that potentially telling him that it didn't matter if he obeyed the laws or not? And realizing that what I did, my actions affected those around me. 
And I remember uh, working as, a, as an associate pastor in a church. We had a young fellow who, who in, his, in his becoming uh, free in his adult life, he decided to get an earring. Now, these days, that, you may laugh at the fact that that was an issue. But, but Warren got an earring. And, uh, and as he, as he, he was working with a fellow and, and the fellow that he was working with talking one day, he says, he says, you know what? The, what, the impact you are having on the people that are watching you, you have, you, you're actually teaching these grade five and six young fellows. And as they see you, what are you telling them by what you're doing? Now, today again, we might look at that, what was the issue? But back then, that was a little different issue than it is today. And so he realized that it wasn't simply what he did, but how was he impacting others? And he decided that he, in fact, would get rid of that earring because of that issue. Now, you can judge that for what it is, but that was his decision because he did not want to make a negative impact. Uh, when I remember another fellow who struggled going to the gym, and so when, when we would deal with that, I would need to be careful. How did we interact together about where we would go and what we would do? Uh, when you go to another country, the dress, the, the way people dress is different than we dress here in our society, whichever is right or wrong. And so when you go to those countries and, and you say, well, I'm going to dress the way I do because why should I change for their sake? Well, we need to consider what we do for their sake because how will it impact the people, whether their standards may be different, but why should we harm them based on we, what we feel we can do within our culture? You see, we're not an island to ourselves. We're not to judge others, but we are to help others, to help them in any way that we can. Now, this is not simply so that we keep others from judging us. Because sometimes we have this whole thing where, where I don't want to do it because then I'm going to cause you to judge. And, and, and causing you to judge just because you might judge me is really not what it's talking about. Um, I remember in another community, one, because I, I have a fair bit number of books in my library, and, uh, and the best boxes to move books are boxes from where? From the liquor store. They're the best boxes. You can get the right number of boxes. It fits in there. They're manageable. And, and so I was going to go get boxes from the liquor store. And, and somebody was concerned that, that I was going to go to the liquor store to get boxes because you might cause somebody to stumble. And I thought, who am I going to cause to stumble? Because you know that, that I don't normally frequent the liquor store. They knew that in that community. And so by me going to get boxes was maybe causing them to judge me but they weren't actually going to start going to go buy liquor because I was going to get boxes. So it's a different issue between, between is it something that somebody's just going to judge you over or is it actually going to cause them to stumble? But where there are genuine issues that cause a dilemma. Unfortunately, far too often we have used this very issue, this very verse, to pressure other people to conform to our standards that you're going to cause me to stumble if you do this or if you do that. You know what? Just because I might judge you for doing it isn't causing me to stumble. The whole point of what he's saying is that if this is something that is in your life that's going to draw you into something that you believe is wrong, that's where the stumbling point is. Not simply that we now have a means of controlling one another and saying, therefore, these are the things you should or should not do. That can be simple manipulation. And Paul says, finally, pursue those things which make for peace. In verses 19 through 23. Verses 19 and 20, he says, build up your brother, don't destroy him over food. 
In verse 21, he says, be willing to forgo your liberties for the sake of your brother. In verses 22 and 23, appreciate the importance of a clear conscience in your brother. Folks, this morning, I think that we would have to admit that we typically do the opposite of what this passage talks about. We tend to develop our convictions for other people. These are the convictions that I have that other people should follow. And we hold up standards for others on disputable matters. And we judge other people based on what has become our conviction. And even though we may not live up to it ourselves. But by doing this, we can create a very unhealthy environment for true spiritual growth. And we start to play games with one another, and we can even destroy each other. And I can think of countless people that I've seen grow up in the church, and because of this very issue, their lives have been thrown totally off course and following Jesus with a whole heart. This morning, I would invite you to take a look at yourself. At yourself, honestly. How would you like other people to treat you? Let's commit ourselves to follow what God is saying through Paul. And let's choose today not to judge other people around us, but rather to judge our own heart and our own life and watch how we live so that we help one another grow in the best way possible, to encourage one another and build each other up as we together follow Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning and we thank you for how you are at work in our lives and you desire us to grow and become who you want us to become and how you place us in community and we we can be in community with one another as we, as we are a body together to share together, to grow together, to move forward together. And Lord, as we, as we live in, in community in this way, there are things that we struggle with because our, our human nature tends to, to creep in and take over and, and, and we, like to, we like to control and even manipulate people around us. And that can be such a temptation as we live life within the body. And Lord, I pray that you would give us discernment and wisdom and clarity in our lives so that each and every one of us would look at your instruction to see where is it that you want us, what is it that you want us to do? How do we put this into practice in our lives, even in community as we wrestle with that together? But Lord, it is so easy and so common for us to, to then begin to tell other people that they have to live according to what you have instructed me. And Lord, we confess that we have hurt one another. We have become stumbling blocks to one another over the years. And this morning we confess that to you and ask that you would forgive us for that. Lord, I pray that we would look at our own lives and this morning that we would be willing to say yes to you. That we would look at our brothers and sisters around us and see what are the convictions that you've given to them and how can we support them and where they are living their lives and where you are leading them and instructing them. 
especially when it comes to all these disputable matters. Lord, I pray that you would give us clarity of heart and mind and conscience, and may your will be done in us. And may we then be that help to one another to be who you want us to be together as your people. And so we offer ourselves to you in Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.